Welcome to the Point Noted Podcast with your host, Johnny B, and co-host who shows up whenever he wants to, former NFL player, Rashad Barksdale. It's raw, unfiltered, and no topic is off-limit. We talk sports, entertainment, culture, and a whole lot of random shit. Let's get to the point. Point on the podcast. I'm your host, Johnny B, and I'm hanging out with my co-host for the day, OCO. Uh, we have a special guest in the house tonight, uh, Jason Call. Jason's running for Congress in Washington. Uh, Jason, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, and I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and your audience. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us, man. Um, so I have to ask, um, have you run for office before? Um, I ran for my local city council uh, back in 2017. Okay. I live in a very conservative city. Uh, it was a three-way race. I came in third, but still got, uh, I think, 28.5% nice. of the vote. Wow. wow, that's great. That's great. So this is just a step forward then? This is just a step forward. And, you know, I'm, I'm in a district where we have a very conservative Democrat uh, that has been my congressman for the last 20 years. He's seeking a 10th oh, term. Um, I I have been waiting for somebody progressive to step up and try and, you know, seriously replace him for at least the last 15 years. Uh, and it just really came down to uh, some local progressive leaders asking me to do it and me deciding that I was in a position to, to take Absolutely. on the task. So before we get... Uh, too deep into it, Jason. I think I should give an opportunity here to just uh, tell the people who you are, uh, where you're from, uh, why you're running, and what the issues you're running are. Yeah. Um, so, uh, again, my name is Jason Call. I'm, I'm running in Washington's second okay. congressional district. Um, that is a little bit okay. north of Seattle. About starts about 20 miles north of Seattle and goes almost to the Canadian border and includes the islands in the Puget Sound, if you're familiar with Washington State geography. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty um, okay. progressive district, although we've been represented by a very conservative Democrat mm. for the last 20 years. Um, I have been a lifelong activist in my adult life. Um, I've been an anti-war activist uh, for the last 30 years, you know, when I was a sophomore at the University of Washington back in 19. 9091 uh i got out and i protested against mm. the invasion of iraq um you know uh for a desert storm so i've been a lifelong anti-war activist um environmental mm. activist um and uh uh you know sort of a lot of social justice kind of things i mean i have marched with black lives matter i've marched with the answer coalition uh to support palestinian rights so, you know, I'm just sort of an all around progressive right. issue activist. Um, I got myself, you know, when Bernie got a, um, started his run in 2015, I got very involved in Bernie okay. Sanders campaign um, and, and got myself elected to the Washington State Democrats Central Committee, which is their governing body for the state. I still sit on that committee um, and I'm very outspoken progressive activist on that committee. But that really was something that I feel put me in a position to credibly take on this mantle of challenging this very um, corporate conservative Democrat. Uh, I was a high school math teacher for 18 years, um, obviously very passionate about education issues. Um, I'm solidly in support of mm. union and labor issues, and I, I'm running to support um, 
Medicare right. for all is a policy. Support for Miller Jayapal's uh, HR 1384 bill. Uh, 100% in support mm. of the Green New Deal. I think Green New Deal offers us an opportunity to bring environmental activism and uh, labor together uh, as partners um, as we transform our energy economy. Um, use that to build, you know, millions of green new homes, uh, mass transit that should be free for everybody um, and really transform the way that we that we do business so that we save the planet from rising tides here in coastal Washington. We stand to be substantially impacted when uh, right. when tides are rising. So I think uh, I think we've got a, a great opportunity here in this district specifically to be a leader in the nation and the world for transforming that. Uh, Absolutely. Economy. Do you think uh, being progressive is the new thing for the Democrats now? Is that something that would eventually take over for the party? I'm I'm hoping it will. I'll be honest. I'm not hmm. confident that it will. Uh, progressive is progressive is one of those words that has been uh, used. You know, I actually have these arguments with local Democrats. You know, some of them very comfortable liberals uh, <laughs> that have good health care right. and good pensions. Yeah, and they want to consider themselves progressive simply because they are Democrats. But progressive right. for me is a fighting spirit it's activism it's pushing the boundaries it's making change and uh as you probably know not all democrats Absolutely really not. want to do that <laughs> um so so i hope the progressives can make more inroads in the democratic party but i'm not confident it's going to happen it certainly won't happen unless we can get more real progressives elected absolutely uh, and there's a whole lot of you guys all across the country right now that uh running on that same platform, um, that democratic socialist and that progressive movement. And honestly, as a, as a young person, we're definitely running for every single one of you guys, uh, because I think it is time for a change. Um, you know, and you mentioned, and you mentioned earlier, um, you know, there's a guy's been there for over 20 years. I mean, and nothing has changed, right? So at some point there has to be a term limit and we have to get these guys out of there and get somebody else new in there, uh, which brings me to this point. What do you think about having a term limit in Congress? Like, should we get rid of them after 12 years, maybe? Or should it just be there till they get voted out? What's your thought on that? You know what? I, I um, Term limits is kind of okay. up in the air for me because you don't, you don't, I mean, if you've got somebody great in Congress, you don't necessarily want to want to supplant them, you know, and Congress, you know, has all sorts of yeah. seniority, um, but, but. You know, I on the other hand, sometimes these people are so deeply entrenched right. and so resistant to the change right. that we need that term limits term limits would resolve mm. that problem. Um, and uh, so, if I had to lean one way, I'd pro I'd probably lean in favor of term limits. And actually, just like you said, twelve years is probably a a decent amount of time. I mean, the reality is. Uh, our greatest natural resources are people. And if you're telling me that you can't get anyone better in your district than somebody who's been there for 20 years, mm -hmm. um, I think you're not I think you're not looking hard enough creating enough opportunities for those new voices. Absolutely. The idiom stands that absolute power corrupts absolutely. I don't think that should be any different for lawmakers. The fact is actually the whole concept of seniority, I believe only tends to feed on itself where it's like, okay, the more senior they are, Absolutely. the more power they have. And that, that's where the corruption actually 
pervades more than anything else. I mean, what I've heard, uh, at least when Andrew Yang was running, he had an idea where he said, basically, the way to do it, the way to pass term limits is to grandfather it in, where, okay, this current set of, of reps will pass a law and say, okay, going forward, uh, anybody that comes and comes in with the term limit, but the current set of people signing the law are grandfathered <laughs> in. What do you think about that as an author? <laughs> you know, honestly, if, if we... Because they'll sign really, it and say we're doing it for the people. Yeah, if, if we if we really did uh, implement term limits, I think whatever standard we set for that should probably be right. immediately applicable. Um, and somebody who's been there for 20 years, like the uh, like the guy I'm challenging in, uh, would not be eligible for to run right. in the very next cycle. You know, I, I think that's that's really the only effective way to do it right. if we are going right. to do it. But, but then if you do it that way, then you never get it done. So yeah. this might be, this might be the challenge of um, <laughs> it is it is because where you have to now push back and say can we really win this battle if we don't give some ground? But yeah. um, you're right. But if that's the only way to get it done, then maybe that's the only right. way. <laughs> right. Sometimes you have to, you have to make you have to make that compromise like right. all times. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, 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 let me ask you this: What is the state? of the progressive movement, haven't seen how effectively the establishment kind of came together and basically uh, took down Bernie, who's who was at right. the head of it. And not only have they taken down Bernie as effectively as they did, I mean, some places where Biden never even campaigned, but they've somehow been able to get Bernie to even critique some of the most active parts of the of the uh, progressive movement how do we move forward uh, as a people with the progressive movement right now well i'll be i'll be honest i i i love bernie sanders i think he has he has lit a fire uh, in this country and he's given he's given youth and activism and people who really want to make a difference um, a way to come together that they have mm. not had in the past. Um, but, you know, I, I, uh, I struggle with some of the, some of the ways right. he handled his campaign, uh, when he, when he would not back up, uh, Nina Turner, when he would not back up Zephyr Teachout, when they criticized the Biden campaign and they criticized Biden based on facts. Yes. Um, and he said, no, I don't believe that. You know, uh, he's he's just not that he's not that kind of guy to go personal. And I will I will contrast that with my own campaign um, against the incumbent here where I am going after all of his corporate money. I am going after all of his crappy votes. I don't know if we're allowed to. Oh, you can. I was going to say. Let it out, Jason. Let it out. Okay. But I mean, this this guy is a corporate stooge, and yeah. um, you know that's that's really that's really the fight in the progressive party is to give voice to the right. dysfunction that has that has has hampered our political system and made it so people can legitimately say when it comes right down to it, the Democratic Party is not substantially different than the Republican Party. 
because they both serve the same yes, corporate do. masters. I think we have right. to be honest about that. Right. That's why I'm running my campaign with zero right. uh, corporate money, no corporate pack money, as are all of the candidates mm -hmm. like myself across the country. That is a that is a hallmark of our campaigns is we don't take corporate dollars. People We're here to it. serve the people. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, my analysis, and I think this is the analysis of, of many people on the progressive side of things, is that the Democratic Party uh, really does not care about beating Trump. Um, it's all it's all performative opposition. It is. Um, it and is. and, you know, because they keep giving him all his they keep passing all his budgets and yeah. everything. Yeah. You know, um, so so they're not they're not serious opposition. And that has been a challenge to uh, Democrats locally that I've had is it is time for us to be a real resistance party. Um, and so the, the, like I say, the people who are more sort of the democratic party is like a mm -hmm. social club to them. It's, it's a lot of these, it's a lot of these older right. white liberals who are comfortable with their healthcare and comfortable right. with their pensions and don't have housing insecurity. Um, they, they look at the progressives as coming in and, and kicking over their, their tea party table. Um, yes. and, and. You know, we have to we have to keep saying over and over and over again, you know, on paper, the Democratic Party is great. And I know this in Washington State because I, as I said, I'm on the Central Committee for the Washington State Democrats and I was part of their platform committee. I know what's in that platform. I okay. wrote a lot of that platform. Mm -hmm. It is a progressive okay. platform. And my fight with the party has been to get the party sort of institutionally, the DNC side of it, the the sort of corporate executive side of it, to recognize that we can't keep propping up these candidates who have no intention right. of supporting our platform. That's right. the guy I'm running against. But they do it because DNC style politics is all about a gravy train right. for the consultant class. Much. Absolutely. And it, it cuts both ways. This is why I always tell people, it seems like it's two wings, same bird. And it's people like you who are going to make the difference because we really need Absolutely. representation, true representation of the people. I'm looking over here um, at your your website and I'm seeing all the details you have. A lot, uh, Rick, Rick's receipts and everything. And oh, yeah. <laughs> it, also, it also calls to mind your run kind of calls to mind uh, a little bit of what, say, Sank Uger, although he was, he had a lot of issues with some things he had said, uh, you know, on his show and everything. But, yep. I mean, Sank had so much of a profile, uh, but still was clobbered by the, the right. establishment candidate. Have you been able to get some coverage locally, uh, you know some recognition. I see on the on the Washington State website you're you're listed as number two. Um, are you able to get some local press to get your word out? Well, let me tell you something. Um, I am going through. Uh, this is see. This is one of the advantages. I think a lot of progressive activists and DSA members and more left wing members they haven't wanted to associate themselves with hmm. the Democratic Party. But I was part of a group of progressive activists that said back in 2016, if we're going to do any good 
as a progressive movement, we have to try and corral the Democratic Party and push it in our direction from the um, inside. From, from the inside. So, you know, um, right now I'm going through the endorsement right. processes for all of the local Democratic Party organizations. In my district, we have 14 local Democratic Party organizations. We've got five counties and nine legislative districts. And I have filled out all of the endorsement questionnaires. Right. They all know who I am. I am seeking those endorsements. I have, in fact, last night I got the endorsement, not the sole endorsement. It was a dual endorsement. Mm. But I got the endorsement of the Snohomish County Democrats, and this was absolutely huge. It was a wow. five-hour wow. endorsement meeting. It was extremely wow. contentious, wow. but I rallied my people to show right. up and vote, and we got the endorsement. So I, I got the endorsement with a 50%. You know, it was razor thin. If I had had one fewer person show, uh, show up, I would not have gotten it. But the incumbent only got 52% right. for his endorsement. So we're we're making some inroads. Um, I've got another endorsement meeting tonight, and these things, you know, it's a grueling process to have to go through this um, is, because you need, you need a lot of resistance from Absolutely. from the corporate centrists in the party. The the like I said, the liberals who are very comfortable and treat the party as a social club. But I think we've really got an avenue to do it in this uh, in this case in my race. Um, because we have done the work over the last four years to make our presence known. Absolutely. Listen, man, I, I was looking at the video uh, on your profile online on the Twitter page, and that's a pretty powerful intro video. And I think a lot of people, from when I was reading, they really uh, seems to fall behind you for that. I mean, that, that was pretty powerful. So that led me to looking at some of the issues that you were running on. And I have to say, man, it's so detailed, like Olsen mentioned earlier, it's so detailed and full of information. And I... I was telling myself, man, this guy can really just run for president today. Now I'll probably vote for him. I mean, <laughs> you know, the stuff I was reading on there was just beautiful. And so that's going to lead me to some of the um, issues that you're running on. Uh, the quality education that you have. So I'm more concerned about the student loan being being taken away. Is that, am I accurate on that? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we want we want cancellation of student, student debt. Um, I am somebody myself. Uh, who still has $45,000 of student debt that I'm carrying from my master's degree that I oh, got wow. 15 years ago. Um, uh, my my wife is in college right now. She has mm. had to change careers, and she is in school right now to be a radiation therapist, right. you know, a healthcare professional. Mm -hmm. um, and we are having to pay for this out of pocket because financial aid for people in our position is really not ready, readily available. And I just don't think in, you know, in the richest country in the world, and when you look at all of the other industrialized nations in the world, and many of them that are that we would still consider mm. developing nations, they still place the highest priority on educating Absolutely. all of their people. Um, and we need to do the same. We have an extremely classist um, mm -hmm. uh, education system, yep, higher education is. system. Yep. Are we just... And I can tell you as somebody who worked in public education for uh, for 18 years that the funding that goes to lower income schools is not anywhere near the funding that goes to uh, very elite schools with all of their um, boosters and, and parent involvement that the working class uh, simply can't provide on the same level. So I want to level the playing field in public education and I want to make sure that colleges, vocational school, Anything that is that kind of training that will help 
an individual better themselves, uh, make themselves more economically viable in the marketplace is an investment and a benefit to the country right. as a whole. Right. I appreciate Absolutely. that a lot, uh, and I, I bring my back our backgrounds to it. So, we're I'm a Nigerian American. Uh, so, for what it's worth, um, when we what we considered state schools, uh, basically what you would call a public school here, when they would disperse funds to these schools, it would be even right. across the board. One of the things I find very peculiar with the American system, most states, is the schools get money not proportionally, but depending on the taxes and some some parts of the, you know, some counties, those schools would get more more money. Yep. Um, and that just isn't, is that one way you, you can attack? You know, we might not be able to get free school uh, across the board on day one, but is that an intermediary that you can attack as like a first first phase on the education front? Yeah, I believe so, and I and I really think the way to approach this um, is uh, to 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 not use equality as a standard, but to use equity. And as you guys probably know, there's a big yes, difference between right. equity and equality. So we have inequitable distribution of funds. Um, and poverty is, and, and just statistics, uh, back this up a hundred percent that the biggest impact on, on learning is poverty, whether kids are housed, whether they have food, whether they are not in, in abusive, um, situations, all of this impacts their learning. Absolutely. And so when we talk about how, how we can get our school system to be more equitable, it's not just education funding. It's addressing all of these other social problems that impact education. And so it's this is what I love about the progressive movement um, is that we want to address right. all of these things, environment, health care, mm. housing, uh, living wage. All mm-hmm. of this is one big social package that we need to make our country a more equitable place to be for everyone. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely agree with that. Um, so if you were to elect to the Congress, let's say when you get elected to Congress, and you mentioned having uh, about $45,000 worth of student loan, are you aware of Congress actually going to pay for that? Are they going to cover that for you? Because in the military, if I join the military today, my um, student loan gets taken care of by the military. Does that work the same for Congress? Do you know? Well, I have. I actually have no idea. But you know, I know a congressional salary uh, would allow me to pay off my student loans within a couple of years quite comfortably. Uh, that's not why I'm running for Congress. <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> right. But that you know that would con- Congress is a is a big paycheck. Um, you know, uh, the congressional paycheck right now is is about four right. times what right. I make. You know, so um, as as a full time worker and and, uh, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I would just use that pay off my student loans, but I would certainly work uh, as hard as I possibly could to make it a national standard that we would provide for cancellation of student loan debt and and free. That would be uh, great. I know a lot of young folks out there, even middle aged men out there, women as well. They would love that just to be able to give it that death. 
give us a little more breathing room to be able to take care of other things, that would be great, which is the reason why we also love the old UBI thing. What do you think about the UBI? Andrew Yang was super big on this, and I know OC, OC can speak more to this yeah. because he was a big Andrew Yang fan. He tried to rope me in on that, but you know, I got in where I, got in where I could. <laughs> uh, but Didn't I get you to contribute Yeah, you once did. Or you twice? did. I, I have to say that. <laughs> Pretty persuasive. <laughs> Won, so yeah, so Jason, <laughs> go ahead. Speak on that. What do you think about a UBI? So, so here's my position on UBI. I think UBI is a great idea as long as it doesn't become uh, it, it, something that goes straight to landlords. Uh, we would have to have something I like see. rent control, um, so that so that you know that thousand dollars that's in everybody's pocket every month just doesn't go into oh a landlord's going to slap okay everybody's got money we're going to go for a three hundred dollar right, right. rent increase. We have to we have to control the costs of um, healthcare, of food, of transportation. Um, so UBI, I think, is great. I think everybody should have income to take care of their basic needs, uh, whether they're working or not. Um, but I would I would be very cautious about all of the other things that would need to be in place to ensure um, that that this this just doesn't become a big payday for landlords. I mean, that's that's that that's, would that would be my, my right, only concern right. with it. That'd be critical. And uh, what I would add to that, and I'll just kind of, I guess, speak for the, what was the Yang gang. <laughs> <laughs> um, the whole mindset, uh, Jason, um, was definitely, like you said, UBI in a vacuum uh, would be a terrible thing, but definitely having those backstops. But I think more than anything, what the UBI was supposed to do as proposed by Andrew Yang because different packages have different things. It goes to what happened, what's happened in the last few weeks. There's been 30 million people who have right. lost their jobs in the Tell last few weeks. But yep. the, the stock market was doing fantastic. It was oh, doing absolutely. Fantastic. And what that exposes is there is there has been a giant chasm between Wall Street and Main Street. And you know that, I know that, but we were never able to point that out. You were, you know, until this happened. And what UBI does is it, it kind of puts a giant straw into the Wall Street on the more, if you tend it towards luxury goods, if you use a VAT, to basically pull those funds forcefully from corporate ac activity, luxury goods into Main Street so that, you know, you could get those small shops and everything else on Main Street, lubricate the Main Street system because for the most part, Wall Street's j just been doing, Wall Street, D.C., Silicon Valley has been taking all this value for itself. So that's why I always like the idea of kind of the constant greasing of the wheels on Main Street with the UBI would have been helpful. Yeah, I, I totally understand it. I mean, honestly, what we have right now is a situation in the last six weeks during this um, COVID pandemic lockdown where the eight richest men, I don't know if you saw the stat on this, but the eight <laughs> richest men in this country have increased their net worth, their personal yes. net worth by That's a total right. of $360 wow. billion. It's at wow. 400 now. It's yeah. Oh, I'm sure it is. But it's I mean, that's just that's just wow, morally offensive wow. right there. Um, when we have 
33 million people out of work. Uh, we have um, people who are, are in a position where they're going to be losing their homes. Um, you know, I just had uh, uh, my salary cut by 20% mm. in May. So my salary, um, my, my hours and my salary are, um, are now less than, right. you know, what they mm -hmm. were a month ago. Um, so, so people are, people are just strapped and strapped. it's a, it's amazing to me that in a situation like this, that we haven't approached something akin to right. violent revolution. I'm not an advocate of it. Uh, but I think the American people are showing an, a, a remarkable amount right. of restraint right now under right. these conditions. Right. Well, we are definitely extremely civilized to some extent. Uh, in this country, so but it's a matter of time. Right? I had to say everybody has a limit, and hopefully, uh, the uprise will come soon. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I just I can't believe the number you guys just gave me, three hundred million since this COVID. Th uh, no billion. Three hundred sixty billion dollars. It was um, four hundred the last night. Wow, I'm, I'm spacing. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, four hundred. And and what uh, Jeff Bezos himself, the richest man in the world, increased his personal net worth over forty billion dollars. Um, while he is uh, struggling to pay, I mean, resist while he resisted paying right. his it's, workers a fifteen dollar right. minimum wage, and so while he mean. tried, I I am um, I so work closely mean. with uh, the um, rent strike movement and um, the mm -hmm. tax Amazon movement that is happening down in Seattle with Shama Sawant mm -hmm. on the city council, um, and we're literally having to fight the Seattle city council. Um, to put rent mor moratoriums and to impose a bare minimum tax on Amazon so that we can pay for housing services right. in the city of Seattle. Now, I'm not in Seattle, but, you know, that's what we're doing. We're asking for just basic minimum taxes that are a drop in the bucket for this trillion dollar corporation. And they've purchased so much of that Seattle City Council that, that you know, we, we can't. We can't get it through. It's unbelievable. Um, the the pomp and pageantry you see on mainstream media, it's such a giant distraction from the work people like you are doing. And I, I wouldn't say I, I'm a capitalist in the sense of let's all get out there. Let's all work hard. Right, let's so on our so keeps, forth. Right. But what we're, what, what we're doing now is not necessary. It's not, it's crony capitalism. Right. It's the, crony right. capitalism the, for sure. The, the hands, fingers on the scale, more than that. And, you know, I just, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm Absolutely. proud of the work you're doing. Uh, I just followed yep. you on Twitter and I will be contributing. What's with the random 27? Why the 27? <laughs> 27 came from Bernie's 2016 okay. campaign where he would go out on the stump every day and he said oh, the average. average contribution is $27. Yeah, so 27 is sort of the hallmark of a Bernie nice. Sanders person. Nice. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Good to know. You know like I said, I, I love the energy behind your campaign. You know, I was going through it. And I was like, man, these guys, these guys got it, man. I mean, the video was powerful. The support, uh, the comments. Uh, when I went through your policies and the issues that you were running on, you know, like I said, I'm like, man, this, we have to get this guy in there. He needs to be a guy that keep going forward and forward uh, in this movement. Uh, and I know earlier you got absolutely, well, absolutely. You so and you guys mentioned Amazon being barely paying uh, $15 to, to, to the workers. And I know in your uh, labor and economy for all uh, that you are uh, laid out, 
Uh, you're saying you want $20 minimum wage. Well, I say $20 minimum wage because that's an even number. But if we were to take uh, inflation from the mid 80s indexing, you know, the reality is for somewhere like Seattle with the mm -hmm. cost of living there, it's probably more like right, $27 right. an hour uh, yeah. to be realistic. You know, so I put $20 out there. Uh, simply to make the statement that $15 doesn't, doesn't cut it. Nothing. I don't, there's nowhere right. in this country that you can even rent a basic apartment working no, on no, $15 not an at hour. All. Not time. at all. And you know, see, sometimes I get, I get some of these emails about jobs and I will pass them on to people. I know that are looking for jobs and I'll see a job in New York city, even online. Right. And they'll be posting the jobs online and say, uh, do you want to do this job? $15 an hour, $12 an hour. And I get really upset because I'm, I'm thinking to myself that how could you afford a basic living in New York City? I mean, forget anywhere else where you can you can get $15 an hour and you can probably rent a room from somebody and take care of yourself for bare minimum. But in New York City, $15 an hour, you can't do anything with that. That might cost you training cab fare and just something to get to eat for a whole month. Uh, so really to see $20 an hour, $25 yeah. an hour, for me, that's the progressive way up. We need more of that. I think we need more of how do we have everybody else to start living a better life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think what I what I really want, um, you know, I was part of the teachers union for the, the whole time I was teaching. Um, and I'm a strong supporter of labor uh, and and oppose the laws that we have that prevent worker unionization and right to work laws that are rampant all across the country, especially in conservative states. But what I want people to recognize is that their power is their labor. If we, if, if everybody in this country went on strike mm -hmm. for a week, um, management, the management class, the ownership class would realize that their profits come Absolutely. from our labor. Um, and so, and so that is one way that we can move to fight back is to work towards Absolutely. general strike, um, and, and take our power back as a labor force. And I understand that that's a, you know, that's a very daunting thought yep. for some people because they are in a position of, I got to pay my rent, I got to pay my bill, right. pay my bill. Right. I can't get evicted. Um, and that is, but that's where we need solidarity right. to come in um, and, and to be standing behind each other all across the country uh, to make this happen. Um, like you said, the, the health of, the stock market, the health of Wall Street is in no way connected to the health of Main Street. Um, and, and that was one of the things that Bernie did in his 2016 campaign. It was something that he said over and over and over again yeah. is Wall Street keeps getting bailed out. I mean, God knows we just saw it again. Trillions of dollars going right. to the ownership class with mm -hmm. no with no worker protections, with no environmental protections on on uh, industries that these bailouts are going to. I mean, over in France, the airline bailout that they were providing them there was conditional on them retooling their air force, their their airline industry to make it uh, more environmentally sustainable. How come we couldn't get anything like that? Um, and the reality is our, our politicians are Absolutely. bought off by industry. Mm -hmm. The guy I'm running against. Takes 75% of his funding from Jeez. corporate sources. Damn. Um, Lord, Lord so, so you can't, you can't get effective representation for the working class. The corporations in Congress are well represented. The working class is barely represented at all. And that's Absolutely. what we're fighting. For. Absolutely. You fight, 
I, I have one more question right. for you, Jason. Sorry sure. to cut you. No, so, please. Jason, um, I, I totally get where you are on the political um, uh, uh, landscape. Is there any room, has there been any opportunity for you, at least locally? Because we all know what the, on a federal level, we know what, what, what the politics is. It's kind of, it is the Trump camp. It's the Trump Republican Party anymore. Um, and I don't know, I guess Pelosi's wing. But um, I guess the point locally has, has there been any intersection? Have there been any intersection with what you're doing on the left, with some of what maybe some people on the right are doing, are saying locally? Where there's some people, on, is there anybody on the right locally who is also standing up for the people's needs and wants and the same year? Yeah, you know what. I, I would say probably not. I mean, locally, our uh, right wing um, are focused on being upset that the government is locked down to protect everybody from uh, the, the spread of this virus. They think that it's, it's a huge government <laughs> conspiracy. So even one of even one of the Republicans who has filed against uh, uh, me for my race um, was down at the state capitol in Olympia um, the other weekend with no mask and all these people are wearing their, you know, open carry guns and, and saying, you know, and it's offensive to me because they are, they are putting this, they are um, sort of comparing this lockdown situation for the protection of the public to slavery. I find that highly offensive, (laughs) you know, but that's the caliber of Republican that I'm fighting against in this race, you know, outside of the, the democratic incumbent. So I don't see that from the right wing. I think the right wing has gone far off the edge. I would like to appeal to those people to their their sense of personal economy uh, and saying, look, you know, you guys are working class people, but you've been conned uh, into thinking that the only thing is that important is your right to carry a gun around and your personal freedom, regardless of how it impacts other people. Um, so. I, I don't see a lot of that coming together right now. And I do find it unfortunate. Right. right. Wow. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's, uh, that's how it is sometimes. Um, before we, before we get you out of here, yeah. I have two more things I want you to touch on for the folks that are listening. Uh, the Medicare for all. Um, I know I have a lot of friends and people that text and, you know, tweet all the time about, well, who's going to pay for it? How are we going to pay for it? We, you know, we're taking our right to, and you know, Americans, we love our freedom of choice and option. So, uh, what do you tell those folks that say, listen, don't force me to get Medicaid or don't take my private insurance away and tell me who I have to be insured with? Uh, why, why do we have to do Medicaid for all? Oh, who's going to pay for it? I don't want to pay for it. What do you tell those folks? So here's the thing. I mean, barring some pretty specific union insurance coverage, um, the National Improved Medicare for All Act written by uh, Pramila Jayapal is far better than most union coverage. Now, when I um, lost my job in education, or actually, I didn't lose my job. I hey, kind my of man. Quit, but um, I, I, got offered, I got offered this COBRA, which, as you know, is the most expensive and least coverage insurance that you can get. It's kind of like right. gap insurance. Um, who can afford that when they right. don't have a salary? Um, but I, don't, I didn't have any freedom of choice. I went on the Obamacare for a few months. Uh, the plans were mm-hmm. expensive. 
The coverage mm. was terrible. Uh, I had huge out-of-pocket costs, so that was unaffordable. So anybody who says, oh, the ACA is working great for people, I can tell you as somebody who's been on it, it's absolutely terrible. And your employer can change your insurance plan. They can reduce their, their contribution. Your employer has all of the control uh, over your insurance plan. You as an employee really don't unless you're in a strong union and union membership is under right. 10% in this country. So people are really conned into this idea that what they have right now represents choice. You got in network, you got out of network, you know. What Medicare for All does is it says we take the United States population as the largest possible pool, everybody who can contributes to it, uh, and then you end up with spending substantially less because you don't have all of these dollars going into CEO pockets and shareholder dividends. Um, you can have that, you can use that money to build facilities in rural areas that, that don't have good medical facilities. You can hire the staff that you need to. We can train more doctors, more nurses, more support staff um, to, to staff these facilities. Um, and, and that is the only way. And then because everybody is in the network, there's no in-network right. or out-of-network. You go to the doctor that you want to go see. You yeah. go to the doctor in your neighborhood yep. that you want to go see and Absolutely. that you have trust. In. Um, and, and I don't – it's very – it's really a struggle to have these conversations with people who have been convinced that that, that is the government forcing you right. to do something that is not right. going to be right. to your benefit. Right. People have to be educated on that. That's, that's yeah. the problem. Like you said, you've heard one Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. It's a matter right. of education. No, I'm just saying no, you've heard one but, thing. You mean you know you you have this different idea of what it is Medicare for all this, so you just stuck on that, but you're not educating yeah. yourself or reading more about it or listening to the folks that are running and telling you this is what it actually does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the the sad thing is, you know, Jason, you understand this completely. I understand it completely. What we are fighting against here is a machine, a propaganda right. machine. The fight, this fight has been happening since the inception of Medicare, Medicaid. I mean, it was at a point, it was the doctor's union, but that's changed now to not just the doctor's union, but to medical systems and pharmaceutical companies and the insurance company. It's all layered. And each time you talk to each of these groups, they point to the other one. They're the reason why you know, things are high and expensive, but it's it's this giant propaganda system. And that's why I, I, I asked the question to Jason, because it seems like until everybody, the real people actually get on the same page, um, that's why I asked about what are the people on the right locally saying? Um, but it seems like mainstream media has the day right. on both ends. And there's no discussions being had about the real issues we have, you know. Well, you bring up you bring up a very very important concern, and this is actually something I've been working on with some people, trying to connect them through Twitter. Um, is that uh, independent left media people who are progressives have got to turn off the corporate news and start supporting uh, supporting independent left media. I mean, people like yourselves who are interested in commu uh, connecting and communicating these 
ideas with their listening audience and growing that listening audience to educate them. Um, the mainstream media has no purpose other than to make profit for its corporate ownership. That's why stories that are of benefit to the American public but are detrimental to the shareholders never see the light of day. We're the ones that have to be telling those stories and encouraging our uh, friends and, and other progressives that we know to focus on independent news sources that are telling the stories of the people. That's what really needs to be heard. Um, I don't, I don't watch mainstream media TV <laughs> at all. <laughs> you know, smart, smart I, man. you know, oh, I watch the presidential yeah. debates, but that's about it. Yeah. Who pays to be lied to? It's so insane. Well, what the work that you guys are doing Thank is you. extremely important. Um, and so, you know, I, I have been contacted by a lot of independent shows to, to go on and do a podcast with them. And even people who are like, will come to me and they say, look, I'm a relative nobody. And Absolutely. I said, no, you're a somebody I'm going to come Absolutely. on and talk to you. Uh, it's important that this message gets out. Even if your viewing audience, your listening audience is 10, 15 people, right. it doesn't matter. Right. I'll come and, and the talk. fact is, and the fact is, you know, you never know who's going to see these and listen to them and say, okay, huh, Jason call. Maybe four years from now, eight years from now, you're running something more nationally. And oh, I remember that guy. I love what he stands for. I love what he's about. So I'm definitely going to give him my money, donate about a hundred thousand dollars to his, uh, to his, um, <laughs> you never know. Somebody might listen and say, Hey, you know what? I like that guy. I'll give him a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Well, I wouldn't be able to take a hundred thousand dollars. by FBC <laughs> we, still, we still have, we still have contributions, uh, contribution limits. And, uh, like I said, I don't, I don't yeah. take any pack money. Uh, I will, I would okay. take union money, right. Union pack money, but there's still, you know, I think there's uh, a $10,000 cycle okay. limits on the money that, that can be All given right. by. So if you listen out there and you have a hundred thousand dollars, just keep it in 10,000. Uh, <laughs> I, I, like, I like how Jason threw out that. He threw out yeah. that. Hey, like, I can't take my man, Jason is clean. He wants clean money, no super pack money. So, you know, make sure it's a personal check. Have Absolutely. Clean, clean money only. Money Absolutely. So, he has some fun questions for you. Are you a sports fan? Um, I So, that's a, uh, that's a hard <laughs> question to answer. Yes. I, I have teenagers okay. who are in sports, and so my sport watching is going and watching it. my kids play soccer. I love watching my kids more than I watch pro sports, but I do love I do nice. love the Seattle Great Sounders. Um, you know, I used to watch the, the Mar it was, it, Here's the thing about pro sports, though. Uh, it's working people are. are priced out of that. You know, the last time yeah. I went to a Seattle Mariners game, you know, with myself and, and uh, my family, you know, that's over $100 a a hundred dollar day. And, I mean, and I guarantee it's not great tickets either, was that. it? No, that's that's right. uh, nosebleed right. seats. So you know, I've I've the only pro football game I've ever been to was a preseason game that uh, a friend of mine who has season tickets for the Seahawks uh, gave to me. Um, and and honestly, I I didn't even like being there. I was again yeah. up in the three hundred level. I was right. like, man, it's I no can't fun. even see right. the game. <laughs> you just like you're wasting time. <laughs> and it's right. cold out here. Right, absolutely, I agree with you. It, it's absolutely so, expensive. So and the better and the thing is, you get a better view at home. I, yeah, and I stopped. Honestly, I stopped watching the NFL after they yeah, trashed Colin terrible. Kaepernick. Um, I I I I. When I go to these local party meetings and they do the Pledge of Allegiance, I don't say it. I take a knee. Um, wow, and I do man. that because I, I am I am right. still in support um, of, of Colin Kaepernick's movement. And, and 
you know, what is what is happening with, you know, the the assassination, let's call it what it is, the assassination of unarmed black right. men around the country is it is a right. national tragedy. And we've got to do something about that. So I have been behind that um, right. trying to promote that locally right. uh, as much as I can. In fact, I got in I got How in trouble. How black are you getting? I was about <laughs> to say. <laughs> Go ahead, Jason. Well, I'll tell you, my district is very white. We're 88% mm. white in my district. Um, but I got in trouble with the local state party uh, a year ago. They actually suspended me for six months because wow. I I cut a Confederate flag off the back of a pickup truck. Wow. Um, and it was parked. It was parked down the street from my daughter's high school. And it was parked right in front of an elementary school. Um, and my daughter had identified the truck. Huh? In Washington? In Washington State. You the proud boys are up here. You know? And if you know and if you know anything about these alt-right groups, they they want to take these disaffected young white men right. who are struggling right. in this and economy, these working right. class white men who are having trouble in this economy, and they want to say right. it's the immigrants mm -hmm. who are your trouble, uh, who are your right. who are the source of your problem. So my daughter identified this truck. She said, yeah, that kid's a senior and he he's in he's in my math class. And I said, well, I'm gonna, I wouldn't talk to the school principal. And I said, you know, you got a student here who's who's I said, I can't imagine what students walking past this students of color walking past this are feeling every day. This is a symbol of hate, genocide mm -hmm. and slavery. Well, because it wasn't parked on school grounds, they right. couldn't do anything about it. So I, so I said, all right, I'm going to give it a week. If I see it again, I'm cutting it down. Sure enough, a week later, I saw it. I dropped my wow. daughter off at high school. I went back. I took out my box cutter, and I cut the flag down. Well, I, I Facebooked <laughs> it. <laughs> I did a live stream Facebook, and I basically said, I'm not having yes. this in my community. Well, the state, the, the, some, some of these local white liberals that I'm telling you about who are, who are the mainstay of the Democratic Party, they thought that was just a terrible representation, terrible behavior from somebody right. who represents them on the Washington State Committee. So I said, you really want to have this Are fight? You Are you kidding me? Uh, but, but sure enough, they ended up suspending me for, you know, and even as I'm going through these endorsement interviews locally, this issue gets um, called back up. Last night, as somebody spoke against, against me, you know, they accused me of vandalism. <laughs> That's what they call it? <laughs> that this was vandalism. Wow. That's what they called it. You know, I vandalized a Confederate flag. So, you know, that, I mean, honestly, that's, that's the, that's what we're fighting here right. in the Democratic Party. Right. Um, but see, know, what you did like, though, Jason, what you did, we don't have enough of that in the Democratic Party. Like there's not enough of that in the Democratic Party that's willing to be aggressive, that's willing to be vocal and like just do what's against the norm. Like you ripping up that flag. Like no one else would have done that. They would have just gone CNN or go Twitter about it and say, you know what I saw today? It was a guy in some high school. But you took an action right then and there, and you said, no, we're not doing this right now. Yep, that's that's exactly what I did. And what they do is they come back to me and they, like you said, you know, uh, they call me aggressive. They call me a bully. They said I harass people, and I'm like. Uh, that is yeah. that is so not true, right. <laughs> you know. I'm just standing up for Absolutely. what I believe is right. Yeah, they'll be all right. You tell them they can suck on it. They'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> I've said oh, a few things like say that. Say more, please. Say more. <laughs> you know, say more. All right. So another thing is, uh, for those who didn't, they're probably not going to hear the initial part of this um, conversation, which uh, we're listening to Bob Marley in the beginning. 
uh, that would get edited out. Uh, but for those who don't know, Jason's actually a big fan of Bob Marley. Uh, so to that, I will ask Jason. Um, so give us your top five favorite song by anybody. Anybody. Top five favorite songs. Um, okay. So I'll tell you my my number one favorite song is Like a Rolling Stone um, that was written by Bob Dylan. But my favorite version of it is Jimi okay. Hendrix's version when he did it uh, for his Live at Monterey um, uh, release. Uh, that's one of my favorite albums. So so Like like, like a Rolling Stone, Stone the, Jim, the Jimi okay. Hendrix version. Number two. Um, I think... Uh, Probably like, uh, oh man, this is so hard because I, I I'm I'm a musician myself, and so it's very it's very difficult uh, to think about this. Probably something like Led Zeppelin's um, "Good Times, Good Bad, time, Times. Bad Time." Um, uh, actually, let me revise that. I'll say as because I'm a bass player, I would say the Lemon song from Led Zeppelin's uh, uh, Two because I think that has the best blues bass line that I've ever right. heard. I got to check um, this out. I'm a huge I'm a huge Metallica fan, so I'd probably say something like Master, Master of Puppets. Puppets. Um, um, let's see here. Thinking, thinking, uh, thinking. Um, like I said, Babylon, Babylon. Babylon System is my, is my all-time favorite Bob Marley song. Followed up closely by Could, Could You Be, be Love. love? Um, that's <laughs> the one. And then, oh, let me think. <laughs> hey, that's a smart man. Yeah. <laughs> My, my wife is right. my wife is right here. Um, so uh, I right. got one more to go. Oh, think, think, think. Justin, Justin Bieber, maybe. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> come on. It's, it's probably so. So there's a, so there's. Uh, I, I would, yeah. I, my wife's saying David Bowie. Bowie. That's a good so one. Probably, I would, I would think probably Pink Floyd's. Um, there's a there's a song on their metal album from 1971 called Echoes, and it's one of their epic long songs um and that's a song that speaks it doesn't have very many lyrics it's got a few verses so but there's a lot mm -hmm. of instrumental in there uh and that's that's a song that speaks very deeply to me um when i was in high school i wore that tape out and that song at about 23 minutes wow. long it was as long as it took me to drive from my home to my high school and i would put it on almost minutes. every day um so yeah, yeah. well, if you know if you know Pink Floyd, you know they've got some really I long, sure don't. Long, I sure long. don't, yep. which is why I didn't know it was 23 minutes long, but I would have to put that on. <laughs> so Austin, make sure you send me a link for that. It's it's like a whole it's like a whole orchestral okay. suite kind of thing, you know. So uh but yeah, I would say echoes okay. from Pink All right. Floyd. Well thanks for sharing that with us, man. Anything uh Ossie, you got any other questions for Jason? No, you know, I think more than anything, I just want to Congratulate him for standing up, not just for himself, but for what he believes in and for the people, um, because we need voices and we need voices Absolutely. on both sides, standing up for people and you're doing it. You're standing in the gap for me and for everybody else. Um, and we just need that. Congratulations. Uh, win, lose or draw, Hopefully you're win. the fight. And right. I'm going to go ahead. Absolutely win. I'm going to go Absolutely. ahead and Same support here. you. Same I appreciate it. I appreciate it very much. I, I want to tell you that that something about Washington's um, politics here and the way we do our primaries. My primary okay. is on August 4th. So yes. I got a long way to go. I got a few months to, to, to okay. really ramp this thing up. I am on. I'm going to be on the primary ballot with the incumbent Democrat hmm. and six Republicans. I see that. Including so in, all of in you. All of these. <laughs> yep. 
He says it's a Trump Republican Party. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I know <laughs> Trump Republican. Yeah. Um, so I I am looking forward to those six Republicans essentially canceling right. each other out in, mm-hmm. in with with that right wing part of the vote mm-hmm. that is in my district, probably about thirty percent, thirty five percent of the vote in the district. Wow. And I'm looking forward to being mm-hmm. on the ballot with the incumbent Democrat okay. for the general. Um, there's no chance that this seat will be lost to a Republican. It's been solidly Democratic hands for the last 20, okay. 20 plus years. Wow. So I want to be on the ballot next to the incumbent. There will be a progressive and a corporatist. And the voters of this district will have a choice that they have not had right. in decades to actually elect somebody yes. who represents them. And always saying is so. How many people fall? How many people fall off after the primary? Well, there will only be two of us after the primary. Uh, it's a okay. it's a top two primary, just like California does. Gotcha. So there can be two Democrats or two Republicans um, on the ballot here okay. going into November. So my goal is to make it the two Democrats. I mean, I've, realistically, I've said to all of the local parties, I'm not going to supplant the incumbent. I'm not going to beat him in the primary but what i can do is beat all of the republicans and be right. on the ballot next to him right yeah sounds Fantastic. about right absolutely we will be watching. absolutely we will jason be thanks watching. for coming and uh if you're listening uh you can support jason uh jason where can they find you and where can they go to uh, donate money yeah okay so callforcongress.com is my website it's f-o-r not the number four callforcongress.com there's a donate link on there um, you can follow me on Facebook at Call for Congress and Twitter at Call for Congress. Everything call that I Congress. have is Yeah, call so for initially Congress. I was like, wait, Call for Congress? And I realized that's actually, <laughs> that, is, that is your name. I was like, wait, why are we calling Congress? And then, you know, I looked at it like, oh, Jason, call, that makes sense. So, yeah, callforcongress.com. So if you're listening, uh, go ahead and log on and donate money and support Jason's movement. Uh, he's really got a special case going on. We yeah. truly, truly appreciate you being here. Uh, we love the passion. We love the energy. I uh, love everything that you're standing for and fighting for. Uh, wish you nothing but success. We hope you do win out. And hopefully when you do, we can come back again and chat about it. Yeah, let's do that. If I make it through the primary, I should when say when do. I make it through the primary, let's yes, talk. Sir. Absolutely. Time in we'll, August. We'll mark that yes, encounter, man. Thanks for I'd stopping by, Jason. It. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I very much appreciate it. You've been listening to The Point Noted Podcast with Johnny B and Rashad B. Follow us on Twitter at PT Noted and Instagram at Point Noted. Hit the subscribe and follow button to follow us and check out more episodes of us talking a whole bunch of shit. You've been noted.